And now, let's get back to your weekly music and entertainment fix. Backstage with Sinead Nivorda. With all the best music, interviews and live sessions. On Radio Nova. So the Blades were a band who formed back in 1977 at a time where punk ruled Dublin. You had the likes of the Radiators from Space being among the talk of the Irish music scene. Um, around the early 80s, they played a six-week residency with you 2 in the Bagot Inn, with the band swapping headline slots every week as both bands attempted to take their careers to the next level. And indeed, it was the Blades who were tipped for greatness above you 2 which is uh, so crazy when you look at things. Um, but the Blades really were tipped for so much, even across the pond in America. And now to talk a little bit more about this and the forthcoming show at the Olympia Theatre in Dublin for the third year in a row is Paul Cleary of The Blades. Paul, thanks so much for joining me. Now, we were having a bit of a chat off mic about, you know, those early days in the late 70s where, you know, Dublin was such a great scene for music and you were talking about all the great little places that you lived around in Dublin. But, you know, it had great venues around the, at that time. So what was it like really at that time for music and being there? Well, I suppose looking back, it was great. We didn't uh, we didn't realise how good it was at the time. But uh, for bands starting now, ba- certainly bands uh, on the ground floor as such, I think they would find it very difficult now to get gigs. But really, there were a lot of gigs when you think of it. Even though they were small venues, and some of them, you know, left a bit to be desired, and you know, yeah. but there was the Magnus, which was a great venue in Piercy. That was just up the road from us. There was a place called the Steering Wheel. There was the Spinning Wheel. There was a good few on the north side. Like, really, for a band starting off, and that's the scene, that new wave stroke punk scene, yeah. was good because there were plenty of people who wanted to see uh, uh, young bands. And I'm really not sure. I think it's... I would imagine it's very difficult now for young bands, you know? Yeah. Getting out of the rehearsal room and trying to get a venue, you know? Yeah. I mean, everything's kind of via a digital platform these yeah. days, I guess. And there's just so many bands to go and see, and then there's only a certain amount of financial kind of restraints there sure. as well. So, But yeah, I can imagine there was, it was such a great scene. I mean, even looking at the likes of um, the fact that Bowie got to play the Bagot in once, which was bonkers. Sure, I believe, yeah. And I, I think he may have played to his, uh, some of his fan club. And also, I think he played the Olympia to some of his fan club as well, you know. No but just, I mean, it really was... For some of your younger listeners, it was, we're talking about 1977, 78, 79, where the music sort of business was changing in Ireland. Up to then, it had been show bands. And really, right. English, English bands would only come over occasionally. And it was a big deal. I remember Slade coming over in 1975 or 76, 75, 74, 74 and playing uh, the National Stadium. And that was a really big deal yeah. that a big band from, from Britain were coming over. So it wasn't usual then for bands to come over. So, uh, Therefore, in some ways, it was easier for Irish bands to get a foothold. Yeah. Once the show band scene started to uh, die, it was that what, what was called in the new wave scene, like bands like ourselves and U2 and DC9 and Theatrics and all those bands. Found it reasonably easy. There was the Dandelion Market as well, I remember. Oh, yeah. it used to have gigs on a Saturday. It was uh, 50 pence in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 50 pence, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of U2, you guys got to play a six-week residency with them before, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. What was that like? Well, at the time, of course, looking back now, uh, you know, well, it was great, really, because we were, uh, notwithstanding you too, even we we had sort of reason, we had established ourselves reasonably well on the scene, yeah. as had you too, and they asked us would we play these gigs with them. I think, to be fair, they knew we were pretty good, and they wanted us, I think one of them said this, in fact, wanted us to push them a bit. They didn't want a band playing before them that, were, that weren't very good. Right. So the shows, in a way, their professionalism and their outlook. So Even from their they wanted on, yeah. a band. They sort of said, "Well, who, who are the fastest guns in town? We'll, we'll take them on." Really, that's yeah. there was a little bit of that involved. I think you know. Now, there was an element of even though um, you know 
I've took a, a couple of pot shots at you two over the years, uh, possibly because I was envious of their success and, uh, you know, hopefully I'm a bit more mature now. Mm-hmm. But there was, a, and now the camaraderie is probably too strong a word, there was a mutual respect, let's say. Mm-hmm. They were very professional. Uh, even though I wasn't mad about the music at the time, certainly the way they comported themselves, they were, their attitude before and after gigs, was quite professional, really. They were very self-contained. So... Maybe with the benefit of hindsight, I, I'm saying it was easy to see they were going to do something. Certainly, I never believed they were going to be as big as they turned they out came, to be. Yeah. But they were certainly a cut above most of the bands at the time, just in terms of their outlook and in terms of how they approach things, you know. But in terms of the media, I mean, it was the Blades who were tipped for greatness, really, wasn't it? And then, yeah. didn't you win a Songwriter of the Year award sure, from Hot yeah. Press above Bono and Van Morrison, above, which, yeah, huge which is great, it's a great privilege, yeah. you know, and... Uh, um, I, yeah, there were some people, influential people like Dave Fanning, who was very influential. When he, he actually said he used to go to the back of the room when we were playing with U2 and he used to, like, he thought we were a better band. No, he's friends with U2 still. And he, yeah, he, yeah. he said this in his book. I mean, you know, he, he, mentioned, he wrote this in his, his biography anyway. You know, you know, he enjoyed Blades better than he did U2. And there are some influential people would still say that. That doesn't mean to say, because the people who enjoyed U2, a lot of people who enjoyed U2 may not have been as influential. They were just your average... You know, uh, Joe or Mary, who just went to the gig, said nothing, enjoyed you too, and were ready to buy their albums when the album came out. So, mm. to say we were more popular than you two might be pushing it a bit. Certainly, we were tipped by a lot of influential journalists to be successful maybe uh, before you two were. But we could see as a band that uh, you two could certainly uh, draw attention to themselves, and they're certainly well capable of uh, delivering a good show, you know. Yeah, well, listen, Paul, I do want to ask you about those pot shots you took at Bonham, but first, I'm going to play something from The Blades. This is Down Market on Nova.
Music from the Blades on Radio Nova. That one is called Dan Market. I'm from the Blades. Is Mr. Paul Cleary here in studio with me, Nipple? Let's talk you too. Uh, and these pot shots of Bono. Have you rekindled your friendship with Bono at all since then? No, uh, no. And I mean, there was never a real friendship. I, could, I always go on reasonably well with Larry. And, and I remember we played a gig, uh, a charity gig together with, with Paul Brady and stuff. And we did a bit of, re- in fact, I did a rehearsal in Women Lane with Larry. And uh, Adam came in, I was playing guitar, Larry was, Adam came in and picked up the bass, and I thought, if the edge comes in, now we're in, you know, <laughs> Bono's sacked, you know. But, you know, um, but uh, no, I never really, uh, you know, I took a couple of pots just because, to be honest with you, and I still am, I was, uh, you know, uh, I was an atheist then, I'm an atheist now, and, you know, you two are entitled to their views. That element of it sort of used to get me occasionally as well, and, and so there's a number of things which I probably would still fundamentally disagree with. Mm. But as I said, the chief, my my sort of chief gripe was because they were going to be successful, and I wasn't. You know, <laughs> to be honest, you know. But then, you know, I was reading um, an article by Amy Carr in the Independent, who said that when he played a tape of your debut single, "Hot yeah. for You," in US radio stations, in America, yeah. in the late seventies, it was as well received as Elvis Costello, "The Jam" or "The Pretender." So yeah. it wasn't just in Dublin or sure. in Ireland, but it was sure. like across the pond as well, which is amazing. Yeah, and look, we're just one of those bands, I suppose. At the time who were you know were tipped for the top and uh, and uh, just never made it there's a lot of in all walks of life in terms of even in sport you'll get loads of footballers who had trials at Manchester United and could have been could have been a contender and it, it just didn't happen for them why I'm sort of in a slightly different position or lucky luckier than some are at most I'm getting the opportunities in a way to do it all again you know yeah. we played the Olympia in 2013 two nights in a row and filled it and we played it last year and we're playing it this year on the 5th of December and uh, we're really looking forward to it and you know we're not 21 anymore and we're getting yeah. the opportunity to do all that again we have a new CD out it's almost like being in, in a new band again and it's really great and, and uh, you know I really feel privileged to be able to do that and of course it wouldn't be happening and here's a real cliche but it's mm. true it wouldn't be happening if the people weren't buying the tickets and buying the CD so they're like they really are we, it's a fantastic atmosphere at the Olympia I yeah. couldn't believe when I walked on stage 2013 for the first time in how many years and the roar that went up and uh, you know their generosity of spirit from the crowd you know it's fantastic Amazing. and I'm really looking forward to it even though I'll be very nervous uh, I'm really looking forward to the gig yeah. and uh, I know that the crowd will have a great time and they're a great crowd they're really raucous but really uh, peaceful and good natured, you know. Yeah. But it's a re- it's a real it's a real happy time, really. You know, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, so and, I keep, and I keep, it's becoming like an annual thing now, so it's great. Well, it's our third year, yeah. and uh, it is, and it's great. But the, what I didn't want it to do was stagnate and just be like an old sort of museum relic. This is why we I want the blades to be uh, almost a going concern. This is why we have our new CD. We are a new sort of dynamic band, even if we're not twenty one. So there's yeah. four new songs on this CD. And uh, we'd be changing the set around a bit. And so I wanted to be, I want to keep, I want uh, the blades to be on their toes, you know, not to take it for granted. And we don't. And it's always mm. the same the second time around. In any sort of walk of life, you don't take it for granted. Every gig is a, every gig's a special gig. And, and this is, you know, we're all looking forward to so much. We really want to do well, you know. Oh, it'd be brilliant. So mm. Small Time is the name of the EP, isn't it? Yeah. And it's on Rikus Records. On Rikus, yeah. Rikus Records. Well, Paul Cleary, The Blades, thank you so much for popping in. Thanks for And enjoy the gig. Not at all. Enjoy the December 5th, Olympia. Brilliant. It'll be brilliant. Thanks so much. See you. Bye. Backstage. Entertainment Update. So many great gigs coming up and to help us now with your picks for this weekend and the coming week is Mark Cavanaugh of The Star. Hey Mark, how's it going? Great Sinead, how are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. So much great stuff coming up. Sure uh, Django Django, very excited about that. But we're going to start with a local band now. This sounds like a really special thing for tonight. Yeah, part of a nationwide acoustic tour tonight show from De Laurentiis is their first ever national concert hall and the Choice Music Prize winning band promise special arrangements of all their most popular tunes such as Did We Ever Really Try? We do like them here in Nova. 
few fans around around the office now. I uh, was one of the judges on the uh, choice panel that oh, gave, you know? gave them the prize. Yeah. Not saying anything there yet. <laughs> uh, tomorrow night, this is a, a line that I'd say a lot of our listeners are looking forward to. Yeah, seeing. Simple Minds. I saw them a couple of years ago in the Olympia. They did uh, a tour that was branded Five, and it was basically tracks on their first five albums. They've undergone a deserved reappraisal and renaissance in recent years. They've got a great new album out at the moment, Big Music, and have been hailed by publications like The Guardian, Mojo, and NME, and cited as an influence by artists such as The Horrors, The Killers. Manic Street Preachers Primal Scream and Radiohead the first five albums had stuff like I Travel theme for Great Cities and the American they shaped indie dance and then there was a track called New Gold Dream which was sampled by many rave records including one I co-produced myself but I have to say went on to change my life so they're a big <laughs> band with me they're supported by the Stranglers one of the most important bands of the late 70s and the early 80s the original frontman Hugh Cormel has long since left the building mm-hmm. but the remaining three members are still going strong and Gene Jacks Burnell remains one of the coolest bass players on the planet he kind of is yeah I recall being transfixed by the Frenchman when I saw them perform five minutes on top of the pops in 1978 and could still remember the horrified look on my dad's face my first moment of rock and roll rebellion oh, look go. at you now <laughs> what <laughs> well thanks to the Stranglers uh, very quickly now this is going to be a great gig on Tuesday well, the highlight of Electric Picnic for me this year was Django Django I think they were on the same time as Interpol who didn't really cut it on the main stage we went over caught the second half of Django Django I love their first two albums the mm. gig 